This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. You're tuned into Kelly and Ramia on AMI-tv, AMI-audio, and podcasts. That's where you can find the show. We are here every weekday with two hours of a variety of content. I'm Ramia Amadin with Grant Hardy, and we're going to be talking about a uh, something somber, something very familiar, of course, if you're paying attention at all to anything ever in the news. Um, we are, you know, remembering and understanding the war on Ukraine. We're approaching the second anniversary of this war, so we want to speak to a guest about how things are going and how we can continue to understand, to learn, and to potentially be involved and to help out. So, uh, Petro Sturin is the president of the Ukrainian-Canadian Congress, the Toronto branch, and we're going to talk about a planned rally in Toronto that's happening later this month in February. Petro, thank you for coming on Kelly and Ramia. My pleasure. Thank you. Um, let's start with that kind of vague question. I want to get your feelings as we approach the second anniversary of the war on Ukraine. How are you feeling and reflecting? Well, it's uh, obviously challenging time for anybody of Ukrainian background, particularly people as myself that have family and friends in Ukraine um, going through the incredible hardship. And for us, uh, yes, it's two years since the full-scale invasion, but it's actually 10 years since Russia invaded southern Ukraine and Crimea. So, in effect, this war has been going on for 10 brutal years. But that said, uh, we're ever hopeful that that Ukraine continues to fight a great fight, resists, and they actually have no choice but to actually to win and push back Russia to the borders that were recognized 10 years ago. Can can you give us a little bit of perspective on just we we all hear about it. It's far from home for a lot of us, but actually having family and friends who are facing that reality, like how does it just sort of feel like how do you kind of get through the day, if you know what I mean. Yeah, the the best example I could give is actually uh, the Ukrainian National Ballet. Now, or the National Ballet of Ukraine was just in Toronto for four shows at the Ed, Ed Mervish Theater. They were, they were sold out, and <laughs> it was fascinating to talk with these dancers. So this is their story. So they used to perform six times a week in the capital, Kyiv, before the massive. Invasion. And now they only perform four times a week, but they can only have tenacity in the theater for safety reasons. So if bombs start to drop, they have to live, leave as quickly as possible. And I explained, I asked them, I said, how, how do you, you know, it, it may seem almost harder for you here because you don't understand that you don't, you know, air raids will happen virtually every day, but we continue, we carry on. We provide those comments a moment of respite for for Ukrainians to go and see the ballet, to go see a shinyus, but at the same time they're ever mindful that ever mindful that when an air raid happens, 
They told me the children, where are they? Are they in a safe place? So it's horrific, but at the same time, are incredibly resilient people um, that are basically showing the world that how to stand up to a bully and to a dictator and to a country that wants to completely wipe you off from the face of the earth. Yeah, it's that's absolutely the word I was going to use is like just resilience. Like it's amazing how on the one hand there there would just be this constant like fear, you know, serious disruption to your lives. But on the other hand, it's like you still go see the ballet and, you know, you try and make life go on and build the best life possible under the circumstances. That's really an interesting part of, I guess, just being human. Um, I'm not sure if we still have Ramya or if I'm, I'm losing here. Oh, sorry. Right. There you go. Sorry, we're just having some uh, audio troubles with God. you, Pedro. Yeah, I think. Um, uh, you've planned a uh, rally yeah, in Toronto. Up, I'm sorry. Oh, yes. Yeah, we've got a couple of delays for you. I wasn't sure if it was you or me. I think it might be our guest, and we might want to try reconnecting. I'm still, I'm still here. Um, I just wonder if it's uh, if it's just not my uh, my wife, but I see that I have a Wi-Fi connection. So, yeah. Dude. We're going to try reconnecting with you, Petro, and, and get back into this conversation because obviously we want to know about the upcoming rally as well and the intentions around it. Uh, but Grant, you were saying... No, yeah. I, I, it's fascinating, really, isn't it, the the human spirit? Because I think we always wonder how we would react, how we would handle mm -hmm. that kind of just horrible traumatic and abusive you know situation and here i am just you know sitting here at home and i've, I've never experienced something right. like that uh, but it, just hearing about that juxtaposition between like safety and living in panic and just having to deal with what they're dealing with but at the same time just trying to have fun and, and go on with life uh, it's really very fascinating what do you think yeah i mean and we've talked about <sighs> In this topic specifically and in the context of um, people in the Ukraine, uh, having, having that exact sentiment, right? That you, you got to kind of move forward with uh, different parts of your life or feel that resilience in different parts of your life, even though you feel powerless and potentially hopeless in other aspects. And I think that... You know, a lot of that is internal, but also a lot of that is just communal, right? Like there's there's so much where the community itself has said, we band together with this intention, um, which is exactly. very, very hard to imagine. Uh, you know, I think about like how, what kind of effort, what kind of strength that takes to be able to, you know, know that there are things that are, potentially out of your control, right, the day-to-day, -day, uh, potentially getting more and more violent, and your life, your safety, your livelihood, your family, all of these uh, aspects are at risk in so many drastic ways, and yet 
you have to choose to be able to build strength and, and approach it in these other ways. Exactly. And I actually found one really interesting thing that he touched on was mm -hmm. child safety. Like, on the one hand, you would literally like i need to know where you are and you need to have a plan at all times kind of thing on the other hand i would imagine a lot of children are like i would still like to go hang out with my friends or i'd like to do you know this and that yeah and I, I would imagine that would be a really really tough balancing act ramia yeah i mean and we're hearing about this in other contexts as well when it comes to war right just how uh, the safety of children is is so much at the forefront because we're talking about you know the vulnerability and an attacking vulnerability in the sense to those people in our communities, those parts of our communities that we know are just like retaliation in whatever way we want to talk about, um, but especially in this way seems is completely unjust. Um, and I, I wonder, it, you know, when and how we can get that message across, because it feels like we're so headed in this direction of hate. For sure. Yeah, just getting the message across to the people at home without ties, or I mean, we all kind of are interconnected, but people who don't feel like they have the direct ties to the things that we see on the news all the time and the horrors of what's happening, kind of get it across hate is is just so terrible and it's uh we're really destroying and affecting a lot of lives in numerous ways yeah of course oh. petro i believe we, we have, have you back? back i think so yeah i'm right here perfect i'm here all right we got you over the phone um so we wanted to ask you about the planned rally that's supposed to take place where is it taking place let's talk about that and also the intention Sure. So it is the anniversary. Uh, we'll be marking two years since the full-scale invasion and 10 years uh, since the first time Russia went across its border and, and claimed Ukrainian territory. So it's February 24th, uh, and uh, it's a Saturday. We will be gathering in front of City Hall in Toronto, Nathan Phillips Square, as we did last year. Uh, last year, we had over 10,000 people attend. Um, and we were joined, uh, incredibly, by the Prime Minister, the Premier, and the Deputy Mayor. It's the first time we had all three leaders of all three levels of government show up on stage uh, rallying in support of Ukraine. So the main message is there is um, uh, it is in so vital to for Canada and particularly all Western countries to support Ukraine because Let's face it, it's a democracy that's being attacked by Russia, which is not a democracy, and, and Belarus, which is, well, which is also a dictator president that's been in, and Lukashenko has been in power for 30 years. So, uh, you know, if we want to see democracies disappear in Europe, um, that is a terribly bad trend. And so here's Ukraine on the forefront, and all we ask is for Canadians to continue to support and at the same time turn to their politicians and say, yeah, this is a good thing. Supporting people fighting for their right to exist is a good thing and it's a good thing for the global economy. Ukraine is one of the biggest grain producers in the world. Um, if Ukraine is wiped off, um, you could look towards higher bread and food prices because, again, Ukraine mm -hmm. is one of the world's major exporters, so the Russians are using that as a weapon. They've been blowing up grain silos. They tried to 
embargo all the ships leaving the ports. Um, Ukraine has figured out a way to get around that, thankfully. Uh, they sank another Russian boat today that was going to go and blow up some things. So uh, it, it affects us all in the end. I mean, if, if Europe is involved in a war, where does it end? And we know Russia's history. They've never stopped. They've never stopped at, at, at one border. At one point, you know, Poland and all of Eastern Europe was under Russian state control in the Soviet Union. Do we want that again? Do we want millions of other people being affected by that? Um, so why not stop it there at a minimal, minimal cost? And eventually, you know, if Ukraine wins, then we we'll hopefully could look at to a moment for regime change in Russia. And maybe, maybe democracy can finally come to that country and the world would be much better off for it. Uh, Petro, yeah. tell us uh, one more time where people can go to support, because obviously this cause is uh, not only important, not only was it important when it first started to, to come into our awareness, but we're getting to different phases of the the intentions around importance and supporting. Sure, sure. Well, the, the main one is we have a, a foundation called the Canada-Ukraine Foundation. So it's basically cufoundation.ca. Mm -hmm. This foundation uh, is a registered Canadian charity, and it has been providing aid at all levels uh, in Ukraine and as well for for uh, displaced persons that have come to Canada. Canada has issued over a million visas. They're only temporary work visas uh, for three years, and uh, about 200,000 people have come to Canada to seek refuge. Certainly, if, you know, if you're living in towns on the front lines, uh, that's not a place you want to stay. So many have come to Canada and have needed support. We know how expensive it is to live in, in most parts of Canada. Um, so that's been a challenge. But... At the same time, providing food and uh, medical aid and support uh, for Ukrainians uh, in Ukraine, uh, that's important. I mean, there's, there's still over 35 million people. It's 40 million, they believe, before the full invasion. But there's 35 million. It's basically the population of Canada. It's not a small country. It's one of the larger countries in Europe. Now, can you imagine if 20 million of them were forced to flee because Russia took over? That's what they do. Can you imagine 20, 20 million people trying to flee and go and into Europe, into Canada, just to get away from that uh, tyranny? Uh, so, yeah, so it's just, it, it's, just a, it's so much easy. It's so much easier just to support this. It's it's I mean it's the it's the the effect as if you know uh, the U.S. came in and invaded and took twenty percent of Canada and the whole southern border. How would we deal with it? So. But let's not forget one other thing I always tell people and I tell when I'm interviewing, I tell reporters is we think we, we're so far away. But if anybody, has anybody ever looked north of Canada and you look on the other side of the Arctic Circle, we share the largest border with any other country in the world with Russia. Yeah, yeah. Russia, yeah, so there, we have four time zones. There. They're right there. And they've already they've already indicated they believe Alaska is still theirs. And they've said that the mineral rights for the for the north. Um, should be theirs. So one yeah, day there's... we could be facing off against Russia in the north if they continue to, to do things as they want. And we know there's an awful lot of mineral wealth in the Arctic, um, anything from oil to, to diamonds to, to other minerals. Uh, we could be facing them down one day if they're not stopped. Well, there's... Yeah, you can... You can... You can have as many democratic laws as you want, right? But what really matters more is your neighbors and how they interact with you. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Hey, you're a, absolutely right. 
There's always something to fight about. Uh, Petro, thank you so much for uh, highlighting the rally and reminding us, of course, uh, to keep our attention and focus on this issue at hand. And I really appreciate you coming on the show for it. Thank you very much. February 24, 3 p.m. Thank you for okay. your support. Thank you. Thank you. We were speaking with Petro Sturin, president of the Ukrainian-Canadian Congress, the Toronto branch, and we were highlighting this planned rally in Toronto that is later in February. After the break, we are going to our weekly roundtable, run without Kelly McDonald, but we will have the uh, conversations that he had planned and laid out for us. We'll be right back. It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute. Hi, I'm Ramya Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider. <laughs> 